Hello people, welcome back to the podcast. Today I've been reflecting a lot on, I'm coming up on four years of personal training this year and I was just thinking about all of the, the coaching mistakes I've made over the years and there's, listen, there's a lot of them. I think if you hear about anyone in their profession, especially like in the health profession or doctors, therapists, they all talk about the mistakes they made and to be honest you can't become good at any of these jobs until you make the mistakes. It's just a bit unfortunate that clients are the people that will be affected by those mistakes. So it's something I do consciously think of quite a lot and I have done since the beginning. Um, so yeah, like being self-aware of how your actions affect other people is like one of the main parts of the job. So these are the, the top seven, I suppose, worst mistakes I've made as a personal trainer, as a coach, as someone that helps people learn to lift weights, lose weight, that sort of thing. These are the things that I do differently now. I wish I maybe done differently from the start, but as I said, you, you can't really avoid it. Um, before I get into the show, Again, we're trying to hit 500 ratings on Spotify this year. I've got a lot more Apple ratings. I've got a lot more listeners in general from a lot of those Stephen Bartlett podcasts and stuff. Um, to be honest with you, I will I will dive into like the hot topics. Like Stephen Bartlett was a hot topic at the time, although I didn't realise that everyone was going for him. Um, but it feels a bit icky. It feels a bit icky. Like the call out culture feels icky, even though that Stephen Bartlett thing was a call out. It, w- it was needed, man. The guy is taking the utter, the utter piss with what he's promoting on his podcast. I'm gonna continue probably to do it because if you don't do things like that, you don't reach really anybody. But at the same time, try to find that balance of not doing it where. It gives you the ick. And also, by the way, the people that comment on those TikToks and those videos are insane. Like, literally insane. There's racial debates. Some There's there's a trans debate on the Stephen Bartlett one as well, I think, somewhere. I don't know. I don't know how. Um, and it just makes you think that the world is honestly bonkers. But it, if you go into the real world, it isn't any, anything like the TikTok comments, but it's insane. And just doing stuff like that sometimes. I think that's why I've always had a hard time with like posting lots and lots of social media content. I know I always have, but it's always felt, ah, people are actually insane and I don't like knowing about it. Um, but yeah, anyway, get right in the podcast. So hit that hit that goal for my, for my own ego and enjoy the episode. So something I struggled with from the moment I started personal training was seeing how ridiculous everyone else's like progress pictures were, like the the clients of coaches from like my local area, so from like Glasgow, but from all round, really, I was like, man, these guys look better than me and they're the clients of personal trainers and they've only been working with them for like 12 weeks. I'm like, these guys must know something that I don't know. And it gave me like a real complex when I was coaching. I was like, man, they, like, they're doing something different to me and I don't know how they're doing it. 
But progress pictures are an interesting, tricky subject because really most of them that you see are complete and utter bollocks. And the good one of the best things I'd done that got me to understand this complex was actually going and getting coached off of some of the people I seen that were posting the most ridiculous transformation photos. And it gave me it gave me relief because I noticed that these guys weren't better coaches than me. Not remotely. They were definitely doing things differently to me, but not in the interest of their clients, in the interest of business. Um, and business, if you, pr- if you push like short-term business over your clients, I would argue that not, well, not always. Is that, well, most of the time it's not going to lead to better long-term business, but you, you'll make money in the short term, but you'll fuck your clients up um, coming at it from this angle. So the first coach I ever had, he um, he's quite well known in this area, um, and I, people will laugh because they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, I've never really named a person or anything like that, and I don't. It's not. It's not like that. But they they advertised themselves as like the most results based person in Scotland. And I didn't actually have any interest in getting coached off this person. Mike, like a good friend, Michael, he said, why don't you go with him? And it was one of the worst decisions I've ever made. But anyway, they were all, they were always into posting progress pictures and it was all about how they always get the best results for all their clients. And as soon as you went in, you realised it was just a numbers game. It was having as many people as possible. And then once you... Say you've got 70 people and you are putting them all on less calories. One of the... One of those people each week is going to look quite good um, after like 12 weeks. So if you've got people like 70 people finishing 12 weeks at the same time, one of those 70 people is going to look quite good. And that's that's an uh, exaggeration in the numbers because they wouldn't all finish at the same time. But you get what I mean? Like there's a ridiculous amount of people, they're all getting told to eat less calories. Some people are just going to look ridiculous. I always talk about my first ever client was my mate Tom from um, that I met in Vietnam. I met him because genuinely, this is how I met Tom. He was doing a Jaeger bomb challenge um, in a hostel in Moine, which is in Vietnam, right? And we there was like say the winner from before had like forty Jaeger bombs, right? And we woke up in the morning and we were meant to go to these sand dunes. And I didn't even know Tom. I'd met like two of his mates the night before. And they were like, he's going to do this today. And he just sat at the bar all day drinking Jaeger bombs. And we went, but we, we done about five of them. And I was like, mate, fuck this. Went to the sand dunes and came back. And Tom was on like 37 Jaeger bombs. Then we came, came back. We watched him. And he, he sank, I think it was 49. Well and truly smashed the record but he had alcohol poisoning for like two weeks so that's the type of person Tom was Tom came to me as my first like, he was free I didn't charge him anything I basically gave him the same program that I was doing I like I know a lot more about strength training now 
I only knew really about weight loss and calories and that sort of thing when I became a coach. I did know about lifting, but I hadn't put the practice in myself to be that confident and like how to program for people that are new to the gym and stuff. So he just basically had my program. And he, see, after four months, Tom looked ridiculous, like ridiculous. And to this day, progress picture wise, he's the best like transformation I've ever got someone. Not the best, not the most I've impacted someone's life or the best result in what and what I would say in a client by not by any stretch of the imagination he just inst- he responded insanely to lifting weights and we were in lockdown and he had a home gym and he'd fuck all else to do with his life apart from lift weights um and I could do the exact same process with 200 other people and I don't think I would have got the results I got Tom and it, that also kind of skewed my perception of what personal training is because I was like, oh, this is what I'm just going to do. I'm just going to get everyone in ripped, as ripped and as massive as Tom. But I kept on thinking, right, how how is Tom in better shape than me? <laughs> and I've, like, I gave him what I'm doing and I was training as much as him and I was stronger than him on the majority of lifts, but he looked way better than me. And I just kept on being like, right, how the fuck has this happened? But that's why progress pictures are just not are if you if you view a personal trainer's progress pictures as how good they are as a coach, that and that's what most people do. It's what you do when you come into the industry because it's that's how the full industry is built on. Like all of these PTs will tell you results are everything and they mean progress pictures when they say results and I would argue they mean fuck all in terms of how good you are a coach because there's so many people out there that you can help way more than I help Tom but they'll never have a ridiculous progress picture you might only get them to lose like five kilos um or 10 kilos or whatever but they're maybe they maybe came from a like properly into the obesity range, never been to the gym before and stuff like that. But those people that I've helped that don't have a ridiculous transformation picture whatsoever, I helped them way more than I helped Tom. Like I helped them, I met like their confidence and all that. Tom didn't need to get over gym anxiety or anything like that. So progress pictures, believing people's shit when it comes to progress pictures. Personal trainers, you get half, I believe you get half that are like, what I would believe I'm in, the the people that are just generally trying to help people get better every day and instill confidence into their clients, then you get the people that are only trying to get over their own insecurities by making ridiculous amounts of money or the people that themselves are still insecure and like really, really insecure in how they look and still have disordered eating patterns themselves and they imprint that onto their clients and think it's all about getting shredded even though those aren't even like that those outcomes aren't even healthy anyway so um what was that there was one more thing about yeah it promotes the same sort of cultures as like fad diets and um everything that clients already struggle with bad relationships with food bad relationships with their body none of these things help um help your clients that much um and the la- actually there's more to go into this. With progress pictures, so much of them... See, if the progress picture isn't in the same place with the same lighting, 
there's your red flag straight away. Why is it not? Because it it won't look as good because there isn't actually as much progress made as they're making out. A lot of people, this is rife in Glasgow. Um, maybe not so much the clients you'll see, yeah, the PTs you'll see that are big on social media, but seeing like the the wee sort of like box gyms in that man, the amount of gear that PTs are putting their clients on, that's rife. And then photo shoots, photo shoots are fucking mad. I never, I've, I've, I, I cannot get my head around how bizarre they are. Like they make me the thought of like me putting some of my clients that are like coming to me anxious in the gym in front of a photographer covered in fake tan. I've never been able to get my head around that. I think it's one of the most bizarre things that happen in this industry. And trust me, there's a lot of bizarre things that go on in the fitness industry. But photo shoots are ridiculous. Like they're all oompa loompa out there, not fake tan, fake tan of the fucking gills. And then there's just me. And it, by the way, there's the photographer is usually a creep. And he, if if a photographer specialises in half naked gym photo shoots, it's almost like priests in it. Like, why do you want to become a priest? Probably because you're a pedo, you know. Pedos often come up in this podcast. You'll soon realise that. Um, but that that's my. I'm. Why do you specialise in taking pictures of half naked girls in gyms? That's a bit sus, isn't it? That's a bit sus. So you're probably sus yourself. Then I look at the PTs. Why do you only? Why do you only train women? And why do you put them all through photo shoots? And why do I constantly get messages from women saying their PT put them through a photo shoot and they were a creep? Mm, I wonder why. Um, but yeah, that was just some thoughts. <laughs> that was just some thoughts I've had about about photo shoots. So yeah, th- believe in all of these. Like when you come in as a fresh personal trainer, you're like, fuck, I'm shit at my job. All these, look at all these ridiculous progress pictures. Yeah. Uh, uh, PTs are getting with their clients. They're all a facade. They're mostly bollocks. Yes, it, it, they they can be. They, there is a way to use progress pictures in a non toxic way. I don't personally post them anymore. I've never been big on them, but I have had clients get results they're pretty proud of, and they have shown in the progress pictures and I have posted about them and then bigged them up and it has made them feel good I would argue did it make them think that they should only feel good about weight loss when it was more about the gym yes so even though it might have felt good in that moment did it promote them doing the the right healthy habits that we'd built about going to the gym more than if we just didn't post it I would argue potentially not, but there I'm not I'm not get fully against progress pictures himself. But one of the mistakes I made was thinking that other coaches were better coaches than me because of their progress pictures. So I didn't coach in person for a good year of coaching. Now there was lots of different things at play that also made me stop. I've Banged on about it on the podcast quite a lot, but I made a ridiculously terrible decision to move to London. Um, I basically skint myself. As soon as I started making not even good money, just enough, like the same amount of money I would maybe have in a regular job, I 
packed my bags and moved to London. And that put me in a financially terrible position to also pay for gym rent to do sessions. Now, going back in time when I moved to London, I would have maybe, oh, well, actually, no. I would have just, back in time, just went, hey, 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 think about this London decision, right? 10 million people there, you know about two or three of them. Most of them are Tories. Most of them are posh English cunts. Why, what are you doing? You like to, you know, spend time with your friends, socialise, meet new people, and um, not be surrounded by entitled wankers. So, hey, 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 watch yourself. What are you doing? Think about this decision. And then I maybe just wouldn't have moved to London because it was, it was, it was awful. I cannot, uh, London to live in for me was awful. It was the most lonely I've ever been. And when you're starting a business, you have to spend a lot of time on your own. Or you, there's other ways to do it, obviously. But I just, I completely, like, ostracised myself from society to build this business, which isn't good for the old mate. It's not good for the, you know, the brain. So that was one of the worst mistakes ever made. What was I? But not, go, but it led to me not going in person straight away. So I knew from the beginning I should go in person, but I just started posting on TikTok, and within three or four months, I had a hundred thousand followers. Not good for the old, um, not good for the brain either. That, um, so I kind of had my hand forced into online coaching because of the lockdowns. So like. When I first started coaching, it was locked down. Then the gym's open for three months. So because it was so uncertain, I was like, I don't want to go in. I could have maybe went in a gym for three months before I went to London, but I decided not to because I didn't. I, I thought they might only be open for a month. And then when I went down to London, I couldn't afford to pay for the gym rent as well. So I deliberately moved back from London to in-person coaching in Glasgow and I moved back in with my dad. So lots of that was circumstantial and stuff as well, but I could have easily been swayed to just online coach. So a lot of these lessons I learned from hiring other coaches that I just didn't want to be like at all. Um, they're just business-orientated, salesy. They all run business mentorships now and I look at their life and I go, f I look at their life and what they're about and I'm like, fuck that, that's not what I'm about whatsoever. So a lot of the lessons I learned were almost observing how other coaches were going about things. Also feeling how they were going about things, how it impacted me as one of their clients and just going, I never want to inflict these feelings on any of my clients. And I actually will have at points because I've took on some of their advice. Um, but that... That was actually one of the biggest lessons, not failures, was hiring coaches and then going, oh, fuck, fuck doing that. Um, but yeah, so with the in-person, I learned so much as soon as I started doing it. It's we that, like, there's so many coaches that are, like, go going into this job at, like, 22, 23. I went in at 25 with quite a lot of life experience. Like, I'd just done a lot of stuff. I'd been through breakups, been through horrendous stuff but like my family, moved country like three times, lived in Australia, done all sorts of like 
customer service and social jobs like bartending, sales jobs. I just put myself out there a lot and went on a lot of dates. These, I know you think these things don't. You're like, what does this matter with coaching? Because coaching's a, it's a, it's a job with people. So communication and being around people and being comfortable with people is the main skill you need. Like you can learn all, you can learn everything till you're blue in the face. That's another thing that's not a mistake I've I've put on this, but you could spend all your time reading studies, reading every single book. You can re- listen to every single podcast, which by the way, I've done. But if you have no people skills, you can't transfer them over to people whatsoever because you get these coaches that know at, like are absolute like brainiacs when it comes to anatomy, when it comes to like programming in the gym, but your clients don't give one iota about any of those things. They just want someone to help them in the gym. They don't They don't understand any of the jargon. They don't want to understand any of the jargon and it would put them off hearing any of the jargon. They just want somebody sound to help them in the gym and help them with their their relationship with food and themselves and just basically make their life a wee bit better through exercise. That's what your job really is when you break it down. Um, so unless you learn those people skills, there's and uh, doing it in person, there's so much that you don't think about. So before I, I always had a, a wee bit of like, it would have been imposter syndrome, right? But imposter syndrome implies that, like, there isn't a reason for you to feel like that. But there is a reason. I knew that I was not good enough to, like, be an online coach and, like, charge people. Um, I wasn't charging. Or I was charging less than what I charge now. But I knew that there was skills I didn't have because I hadn't worked in person. And I bet you most online coaches feel like that. Um so it's it's dumb. It's such. It's like for example, I used to program a barbell overhead for press for people, like probably near the start of training. People wouldn't be able to do it, but they never really sent me enough form videos. I also didn't request form videos as much because I didn't know if I was good enough at coaching to like even respond to them. Um, and then when I went in the gym, like I would have gave someone. And it's, it would have been mostly women I would have trained, maybe 80% of my clients, put them on a barbell overhead press and a squat rack, and then went to watch them do a rep. And they, it's 20 kilos, so obviously they can't do it because that's quite strong for a beginner to be able to push 20 kilos above your head. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I've been giving this to people for ages, and they obviously can't do it. So it's, and, and like that's a proper obvious example that I'm I'm not sure... I'm probably exaggerating. I think I thought about that before, even before I went in person. But there's a million, like I remember my, like one of my first in-person clients, Danielle, went to put her on the lat pull down. She was about four foot ten and she couldn't even reach it. So I had to get her to sit down whilst I brought it down for her. And I was like, man, I've never even thought about this, even potentially being a, an issue. And then body language, You've no idea how much you can pick up on just by being around people in the gym and coaching them on the gym floor. And I mean as many different people as possible without you even 
realizing at the time that you are learning something, it's subconscious. You're picking up on someone's vibe whilst they do something. You go, oh, this certain type of client hates this type of exercise. So I'm just not going to put them through doing it. And you don't even register it at the time. It's just there's stuff you'll, you'll, you'll never be a truly great coach or online coach until you work with a lot of people on the gym floor. And why should you be? You've done nothing to become one. You can do as much studying as possible. You can know, you can quote every single study out there. It doesn't matter because you can't, you haven't worked with someone in person and seen what it's like to actually try. Most most things you learn from studies are useless in terms of practicality. Like, they're absolutely useless. That's why I, I can't stand all these medical doctors on podcasts giving advice for weight loss. I'm like, when have you, when have you worked with people actually helping them to exercise and lose weight for an extended period, extended period of time. How many people have you done it with? Because your advice, if I go and tell my clients that, probably makes their relationship with food worse. Scaremongering them around all of these foods make th- makes their relationship with food worse. Telling them they have to do all of these different things when these people have no time as it is. And these are all things you only learn working closely with people and mostly a lot of that being in person. Like, you need it. You absolutely need it. So that was a horrendous mistake I made um, to not go in person quicker, but I fixed it. And also, before we jump on to the next one, my second coach, who was better than my first one, um, but there's a whole subject, subsection that's stuff to do with that. He, When I told him I was quitting coaching with him and I was moving back home to do in person, he tried to do everything he could to convince me not to do it because he himself had never coached in person and he was like, you'll make less money, you won't have a a good lifestyle and there's no money to be made in in-person coaching and I was just like, stop talking, stop, stop it, I'm done with this, see you later. And it was one. It was ne- a necessary decision, and I have zero regrets about it. And I did make less money, but now I make more money because I done it. Oh, I'm a wee bit passionate in this one. I think just just trying to feel like you were getting into this industry from the start again, and just trying to see who the biggest influences are on what coaches do. That's why I get so passionate about it. I do get a lot of messages from PTs about these sort of podcasts and they're like, fuck, it's refreshing to hear someone talk about it in this way because most of the big influences are teaching you the opposite. Sales-driven, guilt-tripping-driven, money-orientated advice with nothing else. Not one... Not one bit of advice on how to like actually be good with people and be good with your clients and give them a good experience. So this is how I fell into these traps. I don't even blame myself for these mistakes because you're led down these paths by the biggest influences in the industry because it's no, it's no 
it's no um why can I not think of a really simple word? Everybody knows the fitness industry is completely and utterly fucked. It's better than what it was, I think, but it's still a mess. It's still murky, minging water that you need to go through, and there's loads of people that are absolutely at it. There's loads of people just promoting pure shit, and I don't even mean... There's now, like, the coaches that used to bash the influencers that now have their own courses that are worth, like, ridiculous amounts of money, all to be taught stuff by, like... A 20, 21, 22-year-old stuff that you could have just Googled or watched on YouTube and they're charging ridiculous amounts of money for it. And they're all the people that call themselves coaches, but again, have they don't coach people. They never really did coach people. They just got a lot of followers. Um, so I'm speaking to completely different people than those types. I'm speaking to people who are wanting to coach people and have like a, make an all right living, like a decent living, a good living, better than what you probably would have in your job, but not trying to like be like, oh, you need to be a six-figure coach. Like all that jargon, man, just is just sales-driven shit. So that's why I'm a wee bit passionate. Now, this mistake, right, constantly talking about calories, Constantly talking about calorie deficits. Now, there's two reasons I fell into this trap. The first one was, if you look at pictures of me when I first started becoming a PT, because it was lockdown, I'd started running, so I wasn't hench by any means before, but I was really skinny. Um, I'd just done a sub 25k before I... Before I became a coach, I was just then, I'd started being a coach and I was doing that at the same time. So I looked a wee bit like the white Mo Farah. Um, so I was just se severely self-conscious of how I looked. By the way, fitness industry doesn't help those sort of things. That's why you see the likes of Courtney Black, who we can all agree is in good shape, really good shape, good looking girl, and still edits our pictures, that's why these things happen um, and that's why you do need to be very careful of whose advice you're taking because there's lots of severely, severely insecure people in this industry and they are like imprinting their insecurities onto their clients or their, their audience. Um, so the other reason is because that's what I knew more about. I knew more about weight loss. I was a lot more researched and like well researched into just nutrition and food and psychology to do with weight loss. So that's, and then, oh, maybe a third one is I got lots of views. As soon as I started posting on TikTok, explaining calorie def the calorie like what a calorie de calorie deficit is and breaking down how weight loss works I blew up and subconsciously or consciously really I started really playing into that because it was what was getting me clients um not the right type of clients for me as a person or for any personal trainer because 
that sort of content will attract people with really like people that have severely yo-yo dieted their full lives even though that is going like a lot of your clients are going to be people that have yo-yo dieted um but when that's all your content is about there's another level to that type of client like as in there's levels to it. most people that come to you that have tried to lose weight especially females are probably have going to went to slimming world or weight watchers at one point a good chance but if all of them have and they're all obsessed with weight loss those can be some really really difficult clients to work with especially if that's what all your clients are like because you'll be constantly having to have conversations with people that have deep maybe potentially deep rooted issues that are well under the surface and you you're so naive when you come into coaching that you think you can help all of these people just by explaining weight loss and explaining what Slimming World done that was bad. But these deep-rooted beliefs people have, until you have worked with a lot of people, you can't even see them. They're almost invisible. Um, and, like, there'll be people out there that will get offended, like, oh, he's just tarnishing everyone that's went to Slimming Club as, like, being toxic. I'm not, because I've got plenty of clients that still have been to Slimming, club, slimming Clubs, etc. Um but there's a there's a way that's there's a better way to go about things so not all of your clients are really 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 weight loss motivated and anyone that is like all of their minds all their all their thoughts are around weight loss that's going to be their biggest issue so i almost think about it as fixing those issues or like talking about those issues before they come on that's why i talk about them on all my podcasts i got I, i've had clients recently where i'm like right you came on with me and you just like were already in a good headspace and i just didn't used to get clients like this and you already sort of knew what i was gonna say you were already willing to lift weights without me like having to push you to do it you were already trying to get in the gym whereas i had people that had never set foot in a gym and you already kind of understood what we were going to go through with food, and we're like, yeah, listen to all your podcasts before I came on, or quite a lot of them. And I'm like, ah, okay, I get it. Now, I, I used to post short-form TikTok videos where I just talked about, like, what a calorie deficit was, and then I just got people that were obsessed with weight loss and obsessed with a quick fix. Makes sense, doesn't it? Weight loss, short-form content, clients who are attracted to it, Short form weight loss solutions. If you want long term weight loss results, you're going to have to have a pretty good understanding of food, some pretty solid habits, and you're going to want to have, you're way more likely to lose weight and keep it off if you have some sort of exercise routine or goals to do with training and exercise. So it makes sense to make long form videos about that if that's the type of people you want to attract because those are the type of people that you're going to be able to help. Yes, you could help the people that are looking for long, uh, short-term weight loss results by convincing them through seeing the light. But it's gonna if all your clients come from that background, it's going to be way harder, isn't it? It's going to be way more stressful. So me constantly talking about calories to my clients on social media, 
constantly talking about weight loss. When clients came on, talking about how much the scale had went down, just like slimming clubs do, constantly like asking them about their weight or for weigh-ins, created a culture that they were they they were already in. I was almost playing into diet culture without or making diet culture wor- worse without even knowing it. Even though my job, a lot of it will be around weight loss. A lot of people's goals will be around weight loss. It like talking about that from the start and trying and all also even like none of my clients' goals are weight loss in the first two months. We'll I'll I won't work with them if they're like if someone comes to me while well, I lose two stone in eight weeks from a holiday, I'm like, go somewhere else because I don't think you'll be in a good spot in a year or two's time. You're going to be in the same spot. Um, and that was my own fault because that's what I was talking about. But that's also what I was getting rewarded by from social media and from the algorithm. So you need you need to think deeply about these things as a coach because you can go down paths and you see it all the time. You see it, the people I'm talking about that uh, I've worked with in the past or even people that I've been associated with in the past, they go down these deep, dark paths and they get rewarded from it with followings and sometimes quite a lot of money. Um, So you can see why it happens. But again, what do you want to be? Do you want to be famous with a lot of money? or And maybe sometimes famous without the money, by the way. Or do you want to... Do what you probably came into the job for to make an all right living, like good, like probably better than if you stick at it. Probably maybe twice as much as you made in your shit job. Well, mine's was a call center. I am well, that's quite good, isn't it? Twice as much doing something you quite like, helping people and actually making a difference and having a purpose in life instead of hanging up on grumpy Australians talking about their investments and then getting sacked because you hang up on them all because that's what happened to me. Um, that's quite good, isn't it? Twice, maybe twice, like after like three or four years, maybe twice, 2.5 times as much money as you had before and um, a good job, a good purpose. It's pretty, it's pretty good to me. So these are the deep, dark paths I've fell into and watch out for them. So this this one plays into the other ones I've mentioned. Definitely one of the biggest mistakes as a as a coach that that I made was taking advice from other coaches that were in or had were in positions or had lifestyles that I didn't want to have. You have a lot of coaches out there that are just extreme workaholics. Now a lot of these traits or characteristics or not really traits because they're things that people could work on they can't like like i've outlined they come from deep-rooted insecurities so like the need to be making like five six grand a month and then now it needs to be like twenty thousand thirty thousand like there's nothing satisfies these types of people when you start like if if you have because when you come into the industry you always be like oh fuck they're making ten grand a month I would like to make ten grand a month you have to ask yourself right but do you want everything that they do do you want every other part of their life that they they that they do that earns them the ten grand do you want all of that do you want to be really really salesy 
Do you want to work 70, 80 hours a week? Do you want to be really pushing like progress pictures and maybe toxic behaviours in terms of like weight loss? Do you want to be talking about weight loss all the time? Because that's a, a sales tactic in itself. That's a marketing tactic. If you talk about weight loss versus like good habits, that will get you more views, get more people interested in your services but do you want to be working with people like that constantly do you want maybe the stress of those types of really weight loss obsessed clients Um, you have to weigh up do you want all of that do you want to be in groups where that's what everyone is focused on where they're they're only focused on like money and it becomes like a dick measuring contest with like how much you made one month compared to like someone it's because someone else is like you know is always going to be making more money than you one month do you always want to be in these like little comparison traps because you have to weigh it up if you go ah oh, he he's only been coaching for two years and he's just bought an audi outright and he'd be doing what he's doing and they like they give you one specific bit of advice Yes, you can take little snippets from everyone, but if you're going to be jealous of those people, then you have to be je- you have to like be jealous of everything. Because I I wouldn't swap my life. No, there's no one in the fitness industry that I'd swap my life for. Like I look at James Smith, fuck being recognised every single time you leave the house, all the time, and being known for being really controversial. Um. Who else? Fuck being Courtney Black, recognised all the time. Fuck being Joe Wicks. Um, try to think of other people, just like other people that are running these biz- big business mentorships that are like having lawsuits with people, but that's half the reason they're making so much money is because they lock people in contracts. Fuck having to deal with uh, really... Um, really hard conversations with unhappy customers because of the contract you've locked them in and how much money you're charging them and you're never going to give them enough value for the money you're charging them because all you're teaching them is what you learned from your business mentor. So you have to really think about, do I actually want any of these things? And I remember the second coach I had, like I'd... I'd only been coaching for six months when I went on with him and he was always talking to me about being this six-figure coach like in terms of me and I remember going man why am I thinking about six being a six-figure coach when I've I don't know what I'm doing I've been coaching people for six months I don't even really like feel like I know how to get strong myself yet uh why 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 I would feel really weird if I was making a hundred grand a year because i've I've been doing a job for six months what what other what other industry do like when doctors when you become a doctor they they do end up making good money it takes them ten years probably um to become like a consultant and stuff I know being self employed you like you could make money quicker than that. That's and it's, but it's the risk that you take. So that's why you're getting rewarded because you're taking bigger risks and you're the one that's taking the risk all in your own name or your in your own business. 
But at the same time, why would what why on earth should anyone that's two years into a job where they've got no experience be making a hundred grand a year? And I know loads of people have done, but at, at what cost have they done that? Personally and to the people they've worked with, because you're never going to be that good at anything within two years. Like you just aren't. Like I'm four years into coaching, and I still some weeks will come away and go, "Oh my god, why have I been doing it like that?" Like just seeing the impact I've maybe said or done, or like the impact of something I've said or done has had on a client, and then I've went back and went thought that whole scenario out. To 50 other clients I've maybe done it to And I'm like Whoa Man I've been doing that wrong for ages And I'm 4 years in um, Not wrong Just maybe There's way better ways to do it But again It's probably stuff I've picked up from other people So Taking advice from Other coaches I remember So my second coach I was moving to London That When I was moving to London I like I didn't ask to be dieted ridiculous amounts. I also didn't. I wasn't bothered about being a a hundred thousand, a hundred k a year earner. And I also I wasn't didn't want abs. I wanted to get a bit stronger. My fault for choosing a coach that was clearly only trying to get progress pictures and get their clients ripped. Right, my fault because that was clear clear as day. Right, mistake. One of my other mistakes. Um. So none of my none, none of what I wanted was taken into consideration. It was just this is what I do with everyone. Um, and I remember saying, um, I'm going to London next week. I don't. I'm living with my mates. I've nowhere to live yet. I need to look for a place. Um. So I'm like going on a train for six hours, moving into a house. I'm gonna be sharing a double bed with someone, so I'm not gonna be able to really sleep. They're big drinkers. I'm trying not to drink, but I know that they're gonna. F- probably basically forced me into drinking a few times so I'm not going to be able to diet next week or can I actually asked them can I have more calories next week because I'm not going to be able to do it I'm not going to have my own food I'm going to have to be eating random food sometimes and he went no like this is just going to make you diet for longer let's stick to 1900 calories or whatever it is and straight away I was like man this guy does not get get it like he doesn't get anything he just sees like bodybuilding get shredded make loads of money and that's it and everyone should do it like this you shouldn't move cities because then you can't stick to your calories you need to be shredded otherwise nobody will hire you if you're not lean how you're not a personal trainer. You need abs to be a per like do you know what like God, I could have done that for ages by the way. <laughs> I just entered an alter ego. Maybe that's my bodybuilding alter ego. Maybe I should morph myself and another person that is that guy. And then get them and make loads of money. But I don't have to take responsibility for them. I'll give them a different haircut. And I'll get them to like push the bodybuilding stuff, get them to do the photo shoots, get their clients lubed up. Sorry, I mean fake tanned up. Um, hire the wee creepy photographer from Easter House to take pictures of them and turn, turn a blind eye to how creepy he is to them. 
you know, gives them a, a wee spank on the bottom before their pitcher. Just turn a blind eye to that and just cream it in whilst it's my alter ego, it's not me. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I took too much advice from people I didn't want to be and I didn't want to be in their position. I didn't want their life. I didn't want their lifestyle. I didn't want to live in Dubai. I didn't want to live in Marbella. I didn't want to put my clients through photo shoots. So why take loads of their other advice? I remember one last thing. I remember one of them saying to me, "Put, you need to put the things you want to do in your week before you do your work so schedule in those things first the, the things you want to do and I remember just thinking you don't do that ever you don't ever do that and I was like I, I maybe need to rethink this whole thing of where I'm getting where I'm getting my my advice from and my mentorship from oh this is this is a personal favorite of mine because it's a big lesson I've learned in the last year because it's such it's such a hard one to get out of so chasing followers was probably one of my biggest mistakes as as a coach or a new coach now when I came into the industry I wanted to actually not really post on social media because I'd built a social media following before Everyone was like, you're good at talking and you're good at talking on camera. I'd video edited since I was like 13 or 14. I didn't see, you know, when you see people have just started coaching and they like go into selfie mode and speak for the first time and they're like nervous. I was like, I was I was maybe a wee bit nervous about not knowing what I was talking about, but the actual like going and talking to a camera, that was, wasn't weird to me. I was, I was fine doing that. But the fact I gained so many followers so quick wasn't good. It wasn't, it, I wish it, well, I don't know, because I, I learned lessons from everything. I wouldn't change anything for the world. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I was today without these lessons. But when I gained that amount of following that quick, there was like two different things happening at the same time. I was believing my own hype, which I see a lot of people doing. Like, and I would have maybe done this once or twice, so that makes me cringe. But like people like celebrating, like getting a certain amount of followers, and like talking about how they're recognised when they're out and stuff makes me cringe. See if you ever see me, what some balloons celebrating a a certain amount of followers or subscribers, shoot me in the face, shoot me, stab me in the throat. Makes me cringe, but yeah, that's that's from believing your own hype. And I, I, I do, I do struggle with the concept of like knowing that I'm not crazy smarter than other coaches, but I've maybe just been better at playing on different things, and then the idea that. I actually have something way more to give than these people. So, like, even, like, there is a point, right, maybe, like, six, seven years in, but see, even, like, the thought of, like, putting on events and selling tickets for it, 
like before I've coached for like five, six years, just doesn't really there's what like I know a I know a good bit. I know I can really help quite a lot of people, but they can also find it all on YouTube and they don't need to give me money for it. And I just will be like, this is just stuff I've heard other people say. I feel like there's so much, there's so much of that in the fitness industry. It's just pyramid schemes, and it's just here's what I learned from my pyramid scheme. You can pay me a thousand pound to learn it from my pyramid scheme, and then if if you feel like you learned a lot from my pyramid scheme, you can go make your own pyramid scheme, and I'll teach you how to make that pyramid scheme. And then you can charge other people a thousand pound to learn what they could all learn on YouTube because we are we are not actually that intelligent. We are just copying and pasting the same model, um, and that was oh, I just maybe this maybe being from Glasgow, right? It's maybe you know we have that whole like because there's they call it tall poppy syndrome in Australia, and maybe it's like. 10 times worse than Glasgow like you always sort of felt like you couldn't brag about certain things um, I think that's why so many people play on the fact oh I'm from a scheme um, I'm from a council estate and now I've got quite a lot of money um, I think that's why people play on that quite a lot but that I always sort of had a visceral reaction to like making things look better than what they were especially on social media even just like posting stuff that like if I was in a bad mood and posting that I was like doing really well or whatever I just would instantly have a wee reaction going but that's not how it is um, I, d- I don't I didn't like the fakeness of it and I, that's why I didn't I'd experienced it before when I'd because I had like a good bit of following before when I'd done a sport called freestyle football and everyone was like just being so fake on it to get work and whatever and I just always didn't like it, so I was like, I don't want to go back into that. But in order to have a good business, it makes sense to be on social media. So you have to play the game a wee bit, but I'm just not willing to play it a lot, like too much. You know, I've never been, I've never wanted to play the game that that much. Even though the recent podcast about Stephen Bartlett and stuff got loads of views, more most listens, most watches I've got in the last month. I just didn't really like it because I feel like it's almost like cheating. Like, I could just go and slag everyone over the next six months, right? And I would gain a shit ton of followers. I could go and just start talking about weight loss. I know all the buzzwords. I know how to market things. I know how I'm, I know how to make short-form content. I know how to say controversial things. I know how to go on big rants and just lose my mind because I naturally do that anyway. But it feels wrong doesn't it doesn't feel good to me um so that was my biggest mistake was chasing followers and you can you can end up in your own echo chamber because people will buy in you if you're controversial you get controversial seeking people following you so you get toxic people following you those will be the people that will maybe inquire for coaching etc and uh, you'll just get, and then you might say something else that they don't agree with, then those type of people will message you all the time, and you'll just end up with a wee bit of a toxic audience, you'll then end up maybe 
altering what you actually think about things because you don't want to piss off the people that already follow you. You can just dig yourself into like a pretty weird hole and you can maybe alter the way you actually think about things and alter ultimately what would help your clients because a lot of the advice or a lot of the things you would say to help clients wouldn't get views, wouldn't get any views whatsoever, wouldn't get you any followers, but in a one-on-one scenario with your client will help them um, like so much. So that's where, where you, you fall into that followers wheel. And by the way, you can attach your self-worth to it. You can start attaching your ego to it, the same as like the money stuff. You can just find yourself chasing followers before you realise. And it's not doing... Yeah, you can cash in down the line, but to be able to build a following and a business at the same time is quite quite hard. So you'll end up probably gaining followers, but not actually getting more clients or getting better at business. And you've, you'll just end up with this toxic... Well, what happened to me, I ended up with quite... a really like... Probably like a, a wee bit like a cult following that hung on my every word about weight loss and then they also got angry about other things because I was I got quite passionate and angry about stuff but also knew it was going to get views and then it's just you're like stuck there like right I've not actually got any savings or built a business and I don't feel like I've got that better at co- that much better at coaching I've just been like being this controversial guy getting loads of followers so that's something that a lot of people fall into. Um, and I I would definitely change that, actually, if I, I went back in time, because it makes me cringe. Why is not asking my clients enough questions one of my biggest mistakes as a coach? Now, you'll see it all the time. I'll see, like, my girlfriend. She's quite into Instagram scrolling stories. She fo- She's into fitness, so she follows a lot of personal trainers. And she'll show me... She'll just, she'll just show me stuff that'll piss me off quite a lot, which isn't that hard, <laughs> to be fair. But she'll show me stuff and it'll be like a PT from where she's from back home and they'll be giving this rant about how everyone has the same amount of time in a day and you just need to get up earlier to work out. If they can run a business and work out, then you can have two kids and work out. You just need to make more time. You just need to stick to the plan You just need to want it more. Now, this all comes from a place of probably probably some insecurity on the coach or ego-driven where you're like, I can do it so they can do it or I wanted it so they must want what I wanted. The reason this is problematic is then you don't understand your clients and it's vital that if your client is going to get good results with you, not good results in the t- in the sense of a, sh- a short-term progress picture that actually leaves them worse off in the long term. If your goal is, is to have a good relationship with your client and get them to buy into you to help them They need to trust you. And in order for them to trust you, they need to feel understood. So there's going to be things that come up in people's lives or situations 
where they might get too stressed to go to the gym. I get too stressed to work sometimes because I might have one too many things happen at once and get overwhelmed. Normal human reaction. Um, And because the gym won't be their biggest priority if they've got kids and a really busy job or they run their own business like me. Since I started personal training, my training has went below my client's training because I need money before I I need to go to the gym. Otherwise, I can't go to the gym because I've no money because I can't pay for my membership. So I used to constantly feel like it, it, it was an attack on me if my client didn't do what I'd set out for them to do. So if they didn't stick to the plan or they missed a workout, I'm like, why are they not listening to me? That I think there's not really much you can do in the beginnings as a coach to not feel like that. You'll constantly feel like on edge that why your client's not doing what you say and then you're thinking, do I need to be more assertive? Um, or then you say it in a different way but really like that's always going to happen how are you expecting your clients to do everything you ask them to do when it's not going to be it's probably not going to be their biggest priority and that's where you'll get coaches that will be like saying this needs to be your number one priority and I would have done this they're like if you're going to get results you need to make this number one just make it the top of your priorities but why should it be when they've got so much many other like so many other things to think about Now, what I've found, right, when people come to me, say I've had a client that has missed all their workouts and they're meant to be tracking food and they've not tracked food. Another side tangent, I don't always get them to track food now. That was my one thing before. I was like, you need to track food, otherwise you'll get no results. Um, Sometimes tracking food is overwhelming on top of everything else for some people. But if they come to me, I used to be like, now, what can we do to not get you to miss a workout this week? Or why did, or like going on the defense or on the attack? When now I just ask more questions because often I don't have enough information to even give them a solution because I don't know what fucking happened. So if I even start, just play this scenario out, right? Client comes to me, they go, I've missed all my workouts last week, had a shit week, I'm going to try get back into workouts on Tuesday, but I'm really busy. Instead of me going, need to get that workout on Tuesday or this is going to happen again or whatever, I'll be like, right, what, what actually happened last week? Like what else happened? And they'll be like, oh, found out we're potentially getting made redundant from work. Um, my kid also was sick for two days um, and then we're, f- we're a bit skint um, so money's stressing us out and then you can go, ah, okay um, and then you can ask another question you can go, let's just make up this hypothetical scenario some more um, and you go, are you going to be made redundant? and she'll be like no, I'm not sure, we'll maybe find out in a week's time. And you can then, already you've got more information, you know that that person is probably going to be extremely stressed 
until they find that out. Now, obviously, you can have conversations about like, oh, do you like your job? Is it maybe actually like a blessing in disguise if, if you leave? Now, you don't have, I wouldn't dig into these things so deep. I just mean you can ask someone three or four more questions about what's happened and just not even, not a question that's, that's laced with a, an outcome you want, just genuine questions to gather some more information, not a question laced with an, an agenda of giving them advice to get them back in the gym sooner, just a genuine question about what is happening, what's the effect on them, what, how are they feeling? Those sort of questions. And you can go, right, that person's maybe going to be really, really stressed until they find out if they're going to be made redundant. And then you can be like, right, maybe over the next week, do you want to just go to the gym once? Or if they're if you train in person or like some of my online clients, I'm like, here, do you maybe want to come in person and we can just have a wee in-person session and have a chat and just like have a bit of a laugh with them to... to maybe get them out of that funk of being so stressed about something. I love in-person coaching sessions for that, like just having that in-person thing and just like being able to like, it's not about calories, it's not about them missing their gym sessions or whatever. Just takes them out like, takes them out that stressed state that they're in. But you never have, you almost never have enough information when someone tells you that they've not stuck to your advice. Um. Yeah, so, because my next point is, like, kind of based on this as well, so I didn't want to dive too much into that one as well. But, like, even, say, for example, right, I've got one client, I don't want to go into it too much because I don't, like, she might listen to it and I don't want to disclose too much about her, but we were having issues with getting her to up her calories. Um, We were just maybe talking about, like, how our food goes when our when our husband cooks for her and then sometimes she maybe wants to eat quite like quote unquote healthy and he maybe wants to get takeaways and stuff. And I like I wasn't trying to get anywhere with this. Just a conversation and just asking different questions. And then the next day she came to me and she said that again this is where I don't want to go into it too much, but basically she had a a growth problem when she was young and she got force-fed food from a young age to try combat the growth problem. Now, see if I never knew that. And I just kept on, like, really trying to hammer home that she had to eat more during the day when that is something that she's been triggered with from a young age. Imagine the impact, imagine like the negative impact I could have on her and the trust she would lose with people in service industries. Like, so, like, the trust she would, the, the mistrust she would have in personal trainers, coaches, doctors, because they, they're they all not listening to her. That's where it's important. So, from the moment she told me that, which she would, I never even pushed her to tell me it. I just created a sort of safer space where I could just ask questions and without, I had no idea, no single idea something like that had happened. It completely changed everything, like the the way I speak about things with that client. And I, 
with those sort of situations, you'll come into a lot of, well, I have, I've came up to a lot of scenarios that there's something that someone's went through or a position they're in that I'm not the person for them to deal with that certain situation, but I am the person to give them a good experience and teach them how to lift in the gym and get their mobility better, get them stronger, and maybe get them a better relationship with food and their bodies in order for them to feel like they can trust people to work on something else that I couldn't help them with. Um, so ask them more questions. In any, in any line of work with helping people, like you don't know enough about someone's situation. You never know enough. And you can never get angry at someone for not implementing the advice you gave them without knowing what actually happened. This mistake in terms of coaching for me, one of my biggest, again, I'd, I think it's something you can't avoid getting into this industry, but it's attaching my ego to my client's actions. So I think it's impossible to avoid doing this. But there was some liberating things I watched recently. For example, Jordan Peterson gave this um, example where he had a client who he couldn't get to hoover his room. Every single week, he just couldn't get him to hoover his room and the guy had a kid on the way and they'd done things like left the hoover on the, the doorknob and stuff like that. And I'd, I I hate, like, just quoting other podcasts, right? So that's the last time I'll do that. However, I was like, right, fuck, Jordan Peterson. One of the... I've swore so much in this podcast, right, by the way. I'm just a wee bit passionate today. I've, I've really been trying not to swear as much. But I, I think I've just slipped back into, like, that mode where I'm just... I'm basically just ranting today, and Let's be honest, I'm just having a wee rant. I've had one of those weeks as well. Like my car won't go over 50 miles an hour. Um, I, I need to buy a, a new bed, which is going to cost me a lot of money. And I've not really been working out because I've been so stressed about my car won't go over 50 miles an hour. What's that about? What do you do there? Eh, what do you do? Um, but seeing him not being able to do that with his client, right? One of the most well-known psychologists in the world, is he in that position due to what I was, same sort of scenarios that I was talking about with PTs, where he was so controversial that he got that big, or was it because he's that good at his job? But I do like a lot of what he talks about. So hearing him not being able to get his client to pick up his hoover off a doorknob to even hoover one tiny bit of carpet because he just kept making the kept making the task easier and easier and he still couldn't do it. It made me think, right, why do I think that clients should do everything I say and will be able to do every, everything I say if a world-renowned, renown, world-renowned, why is that so hard to say in my accent? If he can't get his client to hoover a tiny bit of his carpet, why should I take it as a, a dunt to the ego that, one of my clients misses one of their sessions or doesn't track their food at the weekend. That's just my ego getting in the way. And I was talking about it to one of another, another personal trainer that works in this gym sometimes. 
and we were just talking about different scenarios that have or different things that have played out with clients we've had and I was talking about like I've had some clients before where I've started working with them their their mind has been all over the place it took me like four or five months and I've got them in a good groove with things and then something mental happens in their life like they go for a divorce they go for a breakup somebody dies maybe how, am I, how how can I stop that? And why do we take that as some sort of like failure on our behalfs? There's stuff that's going to happen in people's lives that you have zero control over and it's not your job to even help them with or, or like take them through. Our job is to teach people what to do in the gym, primarily. I know, I, I know, it's went into this whole like life coaching and like weight loss and like yeah, helping people like with certain decisions and just being able to like maybe help them de-stress or even just being a sound person that's there for support can also help people with their lifestyles because they might not have that in their life. So you're just being that sound person that asks them here, do you like your job? And they go, nah. And you don't even say, quit it then. And they just like start going, I hate my job. And I've never thought about it before. And then like a year later, they quit. You asking that question. Might have just been the only person that's ever got them really to question it from like a safe space. But why should we think that we should really be able to ridiculously uphaul or uproot someone's current lifestyle we can do a fair amount. We can make massive impacts on people's lives. But you just come in and it's probably from all the marketing from other PTs and just like people sharing their like sensationalized story of this one out of 50 client that they've had that we think we should be able to do that with everyone. But sometimes you can you can make that what you would perceive as the smallest difference in someone's life, but it's been a huge difference to them. I've had clients who whose goal has been weight loss. I've maybe walked them through like how weight loss works and then got them not to try to lose weight. And then when we've went to lose weight, certain issues have maybe came up. Like I said, they might have like something might have happened in work and they're just too stressed to even like eat less calories. And uh, I've walked them through that, supported them through that. But they're constantly a wee bit like, I wanted to lose weight and I haven't lost weight. Um, and you'd be like, man, I've not really made a difference to this person's life. And then they text you just going, oh, here, I was out for dinner the other day and I would usually like maybe not go or I would be so stressed about going to the dinner because I didn't want to gain weight. And, like I just went out for dinner, I gained a bit of weight on the scale and then it came to like Wednesday, my weight was down. And I had zero stress the full time because I knew that was going to happen. She was like, thank you. They're like, thank you so much for that. I would have never been able to do something like that before. And you, like, you can then go, ah, right. It was all actually worth it. And maybe these expectations I have on what is actually capable, what what is actually possible, sorry, for a coach to be able to do with a client is actually much lower sometimes. In certain scenarios, some people, you can get them at the right time and they're in the right headspace, they've got the right job 
in terms of like having enough time to really get after the gym and then some people's lives are just never gonna be be not chaotic um and it, there's not going to be enough time and enough mental capacity for them to get ridiculous results in any sense of the word and why sh- why shouldn't we aim to also make smaller impacts to those people's lives might seem small to us but might actually seem massive to them once they actually think about it so attaching my ego to coaching and that's the one that hurts the most because I'll just look back at certain things and just go fuck out like really just like came at that the completely wrong way when they were probably doing quite fine and I've pushed them to like when they've missed workouts or I've like maybe actually like gave up on people that I shouldn't have gave up on because there was and like at times of coaching like when I've had too many clients that I feel like are overwhelming me I've maybe had to let go of five just because I'm so stressed about it but now I can maybe handle that because my beliefs around like what I should be doing as a coach are different um but there's plenty of people I've probably gave up on too early that I shouldn't have and I'm less I'm more resistant to doing that now um but yeah that huge mistake that's the one that hurts the most as a coach I'm sure other people have had this experience as well now right I know that was a bit of a ranty podcast I know I'm just being really like honest and maybe a bit grim and also really fucking cynical and pessimistic and whatever but that's the way I feel about coaching just now is I've really I'm always like changing my mind about stuff always and I'm always like trying to like almost rectify mistakes and seeing if I'm making mistakes or seeing if I can do stuff better but that's where my head's at currently with a lot of a lot of stuff to do with coaching um and like I can't change loads of it like they just are mistakes I had to make and I'll read books about like therapists and like their mistakes with clients when and the 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 ramifications of what they've done were are like actually catastrophic so Makes you, and I'm not on a, it does, it makes you feel better because you go, fuck, like, some of these people have been, like, suicidal and they, they'll sit with, like, fuck, if I just maybe supported them through this thing, didn't say it that way, even, you know what I mean? It's just, I just look at coaching a lot differently now, a lot less sensationalised. Um, and I think that's to do with, like, not actually following a lot of coaches and seeing through a lot of, the way people market their business and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just have a lot different opinion. I, I just have a way different outlook on probably life than most in the industry. And that's why I, my outlook on coaching is probably a lot different. Bye. Anyway, enough rambling from me to all you new listeners. I hope you, I hope you enjoy the show. Plenty of solo ones, plenty of guest ones. And the, I think the only thing that is going to make me stand out from people is like, I'm not interested in getting any of these big, massive, famous guests on. Not at the moment, anyway. I want to get people that are right in the thicker, like maybe the fitness industry or the the wellness industry. And probably people that are Scottish up for a laugh, probably. 
maybe get some English people if they happen to be around the country. Aye. Hope you enjoyed and I'll catch you in the next one.